Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Praise shifts our perspective on things. Because the fact is that every single person in this room probably has stuff going on, stuff they need delivered from, stuff they need family saved, stuff they have going on in, around, around their world. But we need to understand that prayer is a priority, but praise must be a priority as well. And you might say, Pastor, that's not my personality. Well, let me tell you something. All of God's people are called to be people of praise. People of praise are not just those that, that are more expressive or more extroverted. Praise is for all of the people of the kingdom because it shifts our point of view because when you praise God you're not going to praise something that you don't believe is worthy of it and so when you praise God it reminds you of how minuscule and small your situation is and how big your God is so Maker Church we need to take a second and we need to praise the Lord not led by lyrics not led by the worship team but let the Lord hear your own song let the Lord hear your own shout of praise let's go praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord Father we praise you Lord we praise you Father we worship you God we thank you Lord for who you are Father we thank you Lord for your goodness Father, we praise you, Lord, because we know that you are worthy. We know that you are able. We know, God, that everything that would turn our praise into worry, we know, God, that it is smaller than you are, Father. And we praise you, Lord, not just because you're a powerful God, but because you're a personal God. We praise you, Lord, not just because you're the creator of the universe, but because you are the deliverer of our situation, Father. We praise you, Lord, because you are faithful, that you see us, you've never left us, you never overlook us, you never miss us, but Father, you see us. You see us right where we're at, you see us in our situation, and Lord, we praise you, and we put our perspective back on your goodness. Father, we worship you. God, we give you glory, not just with lyrics, God, but with our lives. Not just with lyrics, God, but with our perspective, Lord. We glorify who you are.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Um, Church, as you were making your way back to your seat, find three people, give them a massive hug, tell them how happy you are to see them today. somebody a massive hug. Massive hug. That's like a Pastor Derek sized hug. Yeah. You need to just Good luck. Big bear hug. He's a right? big hug. Yeah. He's a great uh, hugger. Speaking of Pastor Derek, he is ministering in South Carolina today. He preached yesterday at the uh, men's conference and now he's in a church today. So guys, keep him in your prayers. He's not preaching till 10:30, so you have time to pray. But still focus on what's happening here. Now God's got a plan there, so we bless him and we're thankful today. Pastor Cam's gonna bring the word shortly. Yes. So we're excited for that. Yes. And God is in this house, is he yes, not? He is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So thankful. And church, we're so glad to be with you this morning. And uh, if it is your first time here, uh, we are just asking, uh, look under the seat in front of you, there's connect cards. Uh, fill that out, either the physical card or digitally, you can scan the QR code. Um, and either way you do it, we want to meet you right after service, go out and head out to our guest center. We cannot wait to connect with you. Because here at Maker's Church, we believe in connecting. We do believe in connecting. Even on a snowy, cold morning in March where we're springing forward, I just don't agree. It doesn't feel like spring yet, but it will be. So everybody can be mad at Pastor Derek for being in 75 degree weather today. Uh, also, I have no kids with me. I don't even know what to do today. I, 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 but anyways, I'm here and I'm worshiping. So, hey, if you have not yet, if you've been coming to Makers for a while, maybe this is your first Sunday. If you've not gone through Lunch and Learn, this is the fastest and easiest way to connect to this house, to find a place here for God to use you. Um, and it might be in, in you might be surprised how God's gonna use you yeah. as you're connecting here. So that's happening today, second service over in the student room, yes. right? Yes. So even if you have not registered yet, you can just jump right in. We will serve you lunch. Your kids can be with the kids ministry again. They'll have a great time. And if you can't make it today, plan on joining us next month because it's always the second Sunday, yes. right? Second yes. Sunday of every month, lunch and learn. Yep. And, and for those of you uh, Makers Youth Parents and Makers Kids Parents, reminder, right around the corner is Makers Summer Camp. I know there's snow outside, I understand, yeah. but Summer Camp is right around the corner, yes. so mark the dates. Uh, for kids, it is July 5th through the 7th, and then teens is July 10th through the 14th. You can find out more information on the app. It is going to be an incredible, uh, life-changing couple weeks for our young people, and we cannot wait for yes. all the fun Start we're going to have. Start packing the sunscreen yes. now. Yes, yes. That's so important. Okay. Also, mom and dads of our Mighty Kids, Mighty Maker Kids, there is a jump event this Saturday. Yeah. So we want you to come. There's still plenty of space to register. We're taking over Altitude there in Anderson. It's $10, which is a great price for two hours, yeah. socks included. So you still have time to register and show up. It's this Saturday, 9 to 11. Yes, and I promise I will not knock anybody's kid over. Yes. I promise. It's gonna be, yes. I'm going to be very safe. Very You'll safe. have a great time. Yes, it's going to be incredible. Okay. And also... <laughs> Um, we are very excited to announce what, what we're calling Makers Reach Week. Yeah, yeah. And this is um, the week leading up to Easter. How many of you know that God has called us to seek the lost? Amen. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, so that's great to say it, but how about when it's time to do it? Yeah. We're not just sayers here. We are doers. Yeah, and we yeah. are excited that God's kind of given us a strategy for this, the week leading up to Easter, where everybody can have a part in ministering to our communities, reaching out to the lost. Yeah. So, yeah. The, I mean, the entire week of Easter, leading up to Easter Sunday, we are going to be intentional about reaching the community around us. Absolutely. So we have invitations being printed right now that you get to hand out to whoever the Lord lays on your Everybody. heart. And even if the Lord doesn't lay it on your heart, give them one anyways. What's it going to hurt? You know? Yes. We've got invitations to spare. But there will be a Friday night service, a good Friday night service, and then um, two services, same service times on Easter morning. Yeah. Yep. And then along with that, some other things. Yes. That we so on Tuesday, we are going to be doing a, um, a gas giveaway. So we are going yes. to be giving away gas, uh, a few of our local gas stations. And so uh, we are super excited to be able to bless people because how many of you guys know gas prices keep going up yeah yeah i said they were cheaper in south carolina yes. okay so Must thursday nice. then of that same week so tuesday we're, we're going to be visiting gas stations sharing the love of jesus and filling up tanks there 
Thursday, we're going to be visiting local grocery stores and, and really letting the Lord lead us and, and helping cover families' cost of groceries. Yeah, yeah. And of course, every time, it is a it is not just a deposit of money. It's a yeah. deposit of love. Yeah. And we're believing God's going to open up doors to lead people to Jesus, yes. to invite them to church. They're going to feel something that goes way beyond a gift card. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So we are praying now over these events. Yeah. And then a way for everybody to get involved is we have the opportunity to participate and really help support in a big way two egg hunts yes. the Saturday before Easter. Yeah, yeah. So that's in Anderson and in Milford. Yeah. In church, we've got to rise up and gather. They are expecting Makers Church to show up and show up we will. Amen. Yes. So there's there's a lot of things to ways to serve. But if you live in that area and you want to serve there, right now you can hop on the church center app and you can sign up. And we're gonna there's more details on there of what you can do, how you'll serve. But this is something where we come together as a church. We're gonna hand out bottled water, we're gonna do donuts, we're gonna stuff eggs yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be like overwhelming swarming these people no we're yeah. not not in a bad way but they're gonna be like wow those people really care yeah. you know if we want to lead in our community we've got to serve in our community yeah. amen yeah. so God's given us this chance yeah. to do that and, and, and how many guys know that stuff like this is only possible because of the generosity of people in this house yeah Stuff like this is only possible because of the generosity of the people that go to church here. We cannot do this on our own. This is a family event. This is a family thing that we are doing. And so with that, are you guys ready to give in your tithes and offering? Yes? yes, we are ready to give. So if I my ushers come, um, but, but church, listen, we all have seed in the form of our finances. We all have a seed in the form of our finances, but the, 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 the biggest question and the biggest obstacle to overcome is where is good ground to sow my seed? I wanna find good ground to sow my seed, why? Because I don't wanna just scatter and waste seed. I don't wanna just scatter and waste my finances. But church, let me tell you something. Maker's Church is good ground. Maker's Church is a place for us to sow our seed because we believe that God has put a kingdom mandate on this house to reach the community and the city around us. Church, one of our things, the S and rise this year is seek the lost, seek the lost. So the fruit that we are seeing in this house is us seeking the lost. This, the fruit we're seeing in this house is people being discipled and deployed as leaders in the earth, okay? So as you give, know that you're giving in good ground. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that we have to worship and to give in our tithes and in our offering. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a generous church. We thank you, Lord, for a generous people. And Father, we give you glory and we give you honor. We thank you, Lord, that you would meet the, the uh, you would provide for every single family in this place. God, we thank you, Lord, for your provision that allows us to be generous in Jesus' name. And so there are a few ways to give. You can give in person to the ushers up here or give digitally. And while you are coming to give, go ahead and take this uh, look at this update video from uh, Jerry in Malawi.
orphans changed by the word of God. We're seeing people of the villages, drunkards, come to know Jesus and um, be transformed. We're seeing people that would smoke marijuana and uh, every day come to know the word of God. We're seeing disciples made and the love of Jesus is going out where people are hearing the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from villages afar. People from different villages are requesting us to come. Please show the Jesus film. Share the word of God in our villages. Um, we need to hear. We need to see what God is doing. So thank you for taking part. Thank you for allowing the name of Jesus to be proclaimed. And thank you for making his salvation name his salvation known, made known among the Angoni people. For the incredible work that we're doing, not just here, but, but around the world. We are so thankful. Um, church, let me tell you something. I am thankful that I am at a place that is a generous house. I've said it a couple times already, but I'm thankful for a place that is a generous house. And speaking of which, if you guys remember a few, a few weeks ago, we gave you the opportunity to give uh, towards our Wild Ones retreat that we took our teenagers on just a couple weekends ago. And you guys helped make that a financial possibility for our students. And with that, we wanna take a second, we wanna join you guys in on celebrating with us. We have a couple of the testimonies from a couple teenagers that took place a couple, just a couple weekends ago. So welcome to the Zikon. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Ramey. Um, when PC asked me to talk about my experience at Wild Ones, the word rekindled came to mind. See, this year at Wild Ones, we all had like some crazy experiences from sobbing on the floor to going crazy, dancing, shouting all out. Um, but while all this is fun and stuff, that's not really what stuck out to me the most. The stuff that stuck out to me the most was probably the multiple messages that I got from the Lord. See, before I went to this conference at Wild Ones down in Tennessee, I was kind of what you would call like a lukewarm Christian, you know, I'd like all talk like, yeah, let's go praise Jesus. And then I'd go home and I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to do none of this. I'm just going to, you know, but ever since I went to that conference, my life's been completely different. You know, I'm going out of my way to read my Bible. I'm praying for others, praying for me, praying for, you know, anybody that needs it. And I even like, I started this Bible study at school. Well, it's starting next week, uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday. And it's a group for young teens about my age for who may not have access to the Lord or just to help them find their way to the Lord. Um, okay, um, sorry. But in just one day of signups, I ended up getting like half the school involved. And yeah, um, yeah. main part and why I'm doing this is because ever since I left this conference, I've just had a, a new, new passion for the Lord. And I'm just so excited to spread that to other people so they can get that feeling. Amen. Come on, church. Come on, church. Amen. <laughs> Hello, my name is Emma. And um, before Wild Ones, I was just going through the motions of every single week, not wanting to pursue my relationship with him or even wanting to go to church at some point. And I didn't even want to go to this conference, but at last minute I said, okay, I'll go. And um, before we left, some of the youth kids were talking about how we should expect big encounters and life-changing moments from God. And I didn't expect that from him at all because I wasn't... Um, obeying him or trying to make time with him ever. But of course it happened and he met me in, in so many incredible ways over this conference. Um, one of these moments was when I heard him speak to me clearly for the first time without me overthinking it like I do everything else. And um, he, he gave me peace in a lot of the hardships that I was going through and for over the past year. Over the past year, um, I, I felt like every single thing that was going on in my life was on my shoulders and um, wow. And uh, it was either big or small, it didn't matter, every single thing. It, and even things that I couldn't even control in my life. I just felt like I had to fix it, I had to do everything by myself. 
but that's definitely not the case because he told me, you put it on my shoulders, give it to me and I will take care of it and I will lift every burden from you. And that is exactly what he did. And I have never um, felt more at peace with my life and with my family at the moment. And I've never felt more loved by him. Thank you. Come on church, listen. I, I don't know about you, but I believe that the Lord still wants to move in this generation. I think a lot of people, uh, at times we can write them off. At times we can see the craziness and the wildness that's going on. But trust me, the Lord still is moving in this generation. If you're thankful that a God that still moves, give him some praise right now. We're thankful that we serve a God that still moves. Amen, amen. Well, uh, church, I am so excited to be with you all today. Um, I listen, this week has been uh, eventful because it seems like it's kind of the definition of Ohio weather. We've gotten all four seasons uh, this week from summer at the beginning of the year or beginning of the week until all through the seasons and then snow even this morning. Um, but church, I'm excited to be with you guys uh, today. Uh, before I get into the word, I just want to take a second and I want to, even though Pastor Derek's not here, Pastor Melissa is, and, and while she's up here, I want us to take a second and honor uh, the, our lead pastors of this house. Can we stand and honor them? Can we stand and honor our lead pastors? Because listen, their church, there's something to say about leaders that don't just lead with gifts and talents, but lead with character and integrity. There's something to be said about leaders that don't just lead with gifts and talents. These are two of the most gifted people I've ever met in my entire life, but they are also some of the most, so they have the purest character and the purest motives and things that they do. So we are thankful for leadership. Pastor Melissa, we're thankful for you so much. You can be seated, church. Uh, I'm ready. Are you guys ready to get into the word today? Yes, I'm ready to get into the word uh, today. I'm going to be reading out of Micah chapter 6. If you have your Bibles or you have a phone, uh, which is more likely, uh, take that out. Turn to Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. I'll be reading out the NLT version in case, you know, you want to do the same version. Um, but it says, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And verse eight says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. Everybody say requires. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And God, we thank you, Lord, that we have seen your goodness, that we've encountered your presence already. And I pray, Lord, that, Father, they might hear my voice, God, but let them hear your heart in every word that is spoken. Father, we prepare our hearts to receive everything that you want to say today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Now, church, the Bible lets us know that we serve a God of many different things. He is the God of life. He is the God of second chances. He is the God of creation. But listen, he's also the God of order. Look at your neighbor and say order. By the way, I'm going to do that a lot, and my teenagers hate when I do that, but I'm going to do it a lot, so get used to it. Um, he is the God of order. We even see this in the very beginning of Genesis when God was creating creation, when he was creating all the beasts and the people, when he was creating Adam and Eve, when he was creating the earth, he established order. Part of why God gave Adam dominion over the earth is because God is a God of order. And not only is God the one who establishes order, but he's also the one that enforces order. God is not just the God that establishes order. He is also the one who enforces order. Now the question is, how does he enforce order? And the truth is, is that order is enforced through rules. Now, half of us in this room hate that word. The other half love it. Do I got any people that are just kind of naturally boundary pushers, natural rule breakers? It's okay. You can admit it with me. It's okay. Listen, I was not like that growing up. I'm just kidding. Um, but some of us in this room, we are more naturally inclined to break rules. We like terms or slogans such as rules were meant to be broken. 
We love sayings like those things. And others of us, uh, you guys are the ones that hated breaking any kind of rule. You would never break a rule. If it meant the end of your life, you would not break a rule. You are probably also the ones, and, and, and bless you, but you are also the ones probably that were uh, sitting next to me in class while I was getting my B minus on my test. You were getting your A minus and on the verge of tears, right? So people, some people in here love and, and, and are almost terrified of rules, and others of us are, are kind of naturally boundary pushers, but I'm going to venture out on a limb and say that most people in this room have an unwritten or written set of rules or standards that determine the way that your house operates. Most of us in this place can acknowledge that we have either written or unwritten rules, a set of standards that determines the way that our household operates. Some of us in this room have these things written down. Some people I've seen, I've been in houses before where people have like written lists of house rules or they have those like really fancy pictures on the wall that say house rules and it's like a bunch of generic stuff, right? So some of us have it written out and some of us, maybe you're, you grew up in a home a little bit more like mine where it wasn't written out, but you knew that there were standards and rules that existed. You knew that there were standards and rules that existed. And listen, if you had a mom like mine, you knew not to break those rules. You knew not to venture outside of the realm of those, what we would call house rules. Everybody with me? Now, house rules can be anything from, here's a popular one I bet, don't ever get crumbs in dad's recliner. Don't ever get crumbs in dad's recliner. Maybe it's something like no lying or make sure you floss every single day or maybe it's make your bed or squeeze a toothpaste from the bottom, not the middle, okay? House rules can be anything from uh, putting the toilet seat down every time you use it. <laughs> Alicia love that one. Or not going to bed angry. These are all kinds of house rules that we can have. But the fact of the matter is, whether your house rules are written or unwritten, there are standards or requirements that exist within your home that help determine the way the members of your family act, talk, and interact with each other. We all have standards for how our households will act with one another. And just like how you have standards for your children or standards for the way that your household or family operates, listen, so does God. God also has standards for the way that his house and family operates. Did you guys know that when you receive Jesus, you are welcomed into the family of God? You are not just enlisted in God's army. You're not just welcome as a servant in God's house, but you are introduced as a son and daughter in the family of God. Listen, when you receive Jesus, God doesn't look at you no longer by your mistakes or your flaws or your failures or all of your failed attempts, but he looks at you and he says, son and daughter. Come on, church. Somebody's got to get with me. He looks at you and says, son and daughter. He doesn't look at you and acknowledge all the things that you did incorrectly, but he looks at you and calls you son. And not only does he look at you and call you son, but he's looking at you as a loving father that never leaves you, forsakes you, or forgets about you. Listen, if you are thankful to be a part of the family of God, I need someone to give him some praise right now. We are thankful to be a part of the family of God. Romans 8, 15, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. As sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Church, accompanied with receiving Jesus, you receive sonship in the family of God. I think sometimes we only think we receive citizenship in the kingdom, but you also receive sonship in the house of the Lord. You receive sonship in the family of God. Listen, the beautiful thing, though, that I think is, is rather fundamental, but we kind of can overlook or, or muddy the waters on, is that there is no behavioral requirement for you to begin relationship with God. See how quiet it is? There is no behavioral requirement for you to begin relationship 
with God. Listen, you don't have to dress right first. You don't have to act right first. You don't have to smell right first. You don't have to be at church enough times in a row first. You don't have to have a certain amount of Bible verses memorized. You, there is no behavioral requirement upon you beginning your relationship with God, but you receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus living the life that you couldn't live, dying the death that we all deserved, and he rose three days later. That's the free gift that he's given to us. Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace, you have been saved through what? Faith. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. How many of you guys have ever given someone a gift and made them do something to earn it? If you raise your hand right now, that's a weird household you got going on. It's a house rule you guys need to drop. It's by grace through faith alone. The beginning, the beginning of relationship with God is belief. The beginning of relationship with God is belief. And I know that this might sound elementary. This might sound fundamental to our faith, but that's kind of the problem in my opinion is because that we have overlooked this and we've forgotten and we get to a place at some point where we come to saving faith in Jesus and then we begin to think that we have to earn our salvation. Let me let you know a secret. You'll never earn your salvation. You will never deserve having been saved by Jesus. You'll never deserve the grace that he has freely given you. But Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Can we stop overcomplicating what it means to join the family of God? Can we stop overcomplicating what it means to give our hearts to Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation? Now, while there isn't any behavioral requirement to begin relationship with God, hear me so clearly, relationship with God will absolutely have a requirement of you. Church, while there's no behavioral requirement to begin your relationship with God, relationship with God will absolutely have a requirement of you. Can I go a little deeper for a second? While there isn't a behavioral requirement to begin relationship with God, relationship with God will require all of you. All you bring to the table to begin relationship with God is your faith. You bring your faith, Jesus brings the grace. But let me tell you something, relationship with God will require all that you are. It'll require all of yourself. Relationship with God will require you to submit all you are to him. Submit is not a word that we love. We don't always love the word submit. We don't always love the idea of having to submit to someone else or to something else. But let me tell you something, relationship with God will require you to submit all of yourself to him. It'll require you to submit your actions, your attitudes, your preconceived notions on who he is, how he works and what he does. It'll require you to submit your opinions, your offenses, your unforgiveness, and listen, even your social media platforms. Relationship with God requires us to submit all of the things about our self. Why? Because Jesus doesn't just want to be Lord of parts of your life. He doesn't want to be Lord of pieces of your life. He doesn't want part of you. Listen, Jesus did not give all of himself to have a part of you. You guys know Jesus gave all of himself. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross for you, not so that he could have parts of you, but so that he could have all of you. Jesus desires all of who we are. Listen, too often we treat God like an outside uh, consultant rather than the CEO that he is. We treat God like he is some sort of financial advisor or outside consultant instead of the CEO and the owner of the business. The Bible says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
When you receive the free gift of salvation, it requires something of you. Relationship with God requires all of who you are. And let me tell you something. The fact that we, that God desires to be Lord and King over all of our lives is actually a major blessing to us. You want to know why? Because God's a whole lot smarter than you are. The Holy Spirit has a whole lot more wisdom than you do. Proverbs actually talks about how the Lord uses the, the, the wise things of, of man to confound, or the foolish things of man to confound the wise. Wisdom in our eyes is foolishness to God. We need to understand that when Jesus is Lord and King and reigner over all of our lives, it's a blessing for you. It is a good thing for you to be in submission to the Lordship of Jesus. Why? Because humanity has a habit of messing stuff up. Humanity has a horrible habit of screwing things up. You give stuff to people and they inevitably probably mess it up especially when power and authority is involved. Humanity unsubmitted to the Lordship of Jesus will ultimately be corrupted. Corruption will seep in where there is not submission. Corruption in the hearts of people will seep in where there is not submission. Too often, church, we fall into a place, and I say we because it's all of us, including myself. We fall into a place where we are asking God to bless things that we have not made him Lord over. We ask God to bless things in our life that we have not even made him Lord over. We ask God to put his favor and his blessing and his provision upon decisions that we didn't even ask him about making. We make choices out of our own feelings or emotions or thoughts in a moment. And guess what? We don't ask God to help us make the choice, but rather we just ask him to bless it. Lord, I'm not going to ask for your wisdom in this situation. I'm not going to ask for your understanding. I'm not going to ask for your, even your approval, but I am going to ask for your blessing. I am going to ask for your favor. I am going to ask for your provision. I know, Lord, you didn't tell me to do that or to go there or to do this thing, but I'm going to ask that you bless it anyways. We begin making demands on God when we haven't even allowed him to be the lead and Lord and ruler of our lives, church. Listen, we ask God to bless our families, but the fact is, is that we think we're our lords over our own, over our own families. We haven't made Jesus Lord over our families. We've made ourselves Lord over our families. We haven't made Jesus the provider for our families. We have become the providers for our families. We ask God to bless things that he is not even Lord over. We ask God to bless our jobs and to bless our futures and to bless our relationships. But the fact is, is that we have not submitted those things to him. My question in this moment would be, what in your life, if God asked you to give it up or walk away, would you say no to? What thing in your life, what job in your life, what relationship in your life, what thing in your life, if God asked you, hey, I need you to walk away from that, I need you to put that on hold for a while, would you obey and listen? What thing would you be like, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that one. Lord, like the money's better over here. The money over there is kind of funny. I don't, I don't know about this one. But what thing in our life would we, if God asked us to surrender it, would we hold it back from him? Because the, 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 the thing is, church, is we need to begin to operate more like Jesus in those moments. Why? Because Jesus, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, Lord, I don't want to do this. Jesus said, Father, I don't want to do it. Can you blame him? The father asked him to go to a cross for people that are going to spit in his face. And he says, Father, I don't want to do it. What's he say, though? Nonetheless, not my will, but your will. That's what it looks like when God is not just the, the, the consultant for your life or even just the blesser or the favor putter on your life, but he is the Lord and leader and king of your life. Jesus wants to be king. If you're thankful for a king that loves you and is for you, give him some praise. He is good. When God is in control, it is a good thing. 
When you join into a relationship with God and become a part of his family, it requires submission. Hear me, submission is not a suggestion. Nowhere in God's word is submission a suggestion. Nowhere in God's word does the Lord say, you know, if you, if you want. You know, if you, if you want to give me all of you. Jesus desires to be Lord over all of our life. Listen, there are house rules and standards that come with being a part of God's family. Relationship with God requires us to submit to his house rules, his requirements, his standards. Now, we have to be careful because the enemy would love for us to see the requirements or the house rules of God as legalistic restraints. The enemy would love for us to look at the requirements that God has for his people as legalistic restraints or religious obligations. The enemy would love to deceive us and tell us that you don't have to really obey God in that thing. That's just legalism. You don't really have to obey that thing. That's, that's not for now. That's not for you. Listen, understand something. I, we are absolutely living in covenant, the grace covenant with Jesus Christ, but that does not mean that there are no longer requirements for us. That does not mean that there are no longer standards for us as God's people. We have to be careful to not think that they are legalistic restraints instead of blessings. You know the boundaries that God has for his people are actually blessings? The house rules that God has for his people are actually blessings to his people. The truth is, is that when you set house rules, it's for your children to learn how to operate, act, and live as mature adults. That's why you set house rules. I don't think anybody in here is setting house rules like, man, I'm gonna get them with this one. You see this house rule? <laughs> get them with that one. Put the toilet seat down. That's to hurt them. No, it's not. House rules are not designed for the harm of the people in the house. House rules are designed to protect the people in the house. It's designed to help the people in the house mature and grow as they get older. The truth is that the standards of God, um, oh, I lost my place. The standards of God, listen, they are blessings that promote you. They are blessings that protect you. And they are blessings that lead you into the provision that God has for your life. I'm gonna say it one more time because we're not excited enough about it. House rules are designed. They are blessings to protect you. They are blessings to promote you. And they are blessings to lead you into the provision that God has for your life. Church, God desires to promote you and protect you and lead you into provision. God desires to provide for his people. House rules are blessings that lead us into all of those things. Listen, they're protections because there are certain things that you were never meant to touch or be tied to. The house rules and the requirements that God has put into place are put into place because they were, they were something that you were never supposed to touch or be tied to. There are certain things in life that you are never supposed to touch or be tied to. Because the truth is when we venture outside of God's house rules, here's what we tie ourselves to. We tie ourselves to depression. We tie ourselves to anxiety. We tie ourselves to fear. We tie ourselves to addiction. We tie ourselves to bondage. We tie ourselves to offense. When you venture outside of the house rules that God has set in place for you as his children, you tie yourself, you make yourself vulnerable and open to all of these things. And then the problem is, the truth is, is that then we come to the altar or begging the Lord to deliver us. We come to the altar and we beg God to heal our hearts, heal our souls, heal our bodies. We beg God to deliver us from the bondage and addiction that we got tied to because we ventured outside of his house rules. Now, hear my heart. The Lord will absolutely heal you. The Lord absolutely desires to deliver you. The Lord absolutely desires to set you free. 
God is a deliverer in Exodus and here in 2023. God is a deliverer and a healer. He sets his people free. He gives you the ability. His promises are yes and amen. Everything that he has is for you. God will absolutely deliver you. But my question is, how many things are we asking and interceding God to deliver us from that we were never intended to be tied to in the first place? How many things are we begging God to deliver us from? that we've never would have had to deal with if we would have stayed in accordance with his house rules. If we would have been obedient to the voice of the Lord, because church, like I said, when Jesus is Lord over your life, guess what it does? It protects you. Listen, a prime example of this in our, own, in our own life. I'm sure every parent in here, you guys probably have a rule uh, of don't touch the stove when it's hot. We all agree with that? Maybe you're one of those, maybe, maybe you're just like, no, my house rule is they have to touch the stove. I don't, I don't know what's going on in your house, but listen, you probably have a house rule that says, hey kids, don't touch the stove, probably period, but especially when it's hot, especially when it's red. And what happens Kids touch it, they get burnt, you gotta take them to the doctor, do all your parent stuff. I don't know, I'm not a parent yet, but do all your parent things. <laughs> so I don't know, I'm just guessing. I, was, I should have Googled it beforehand with the, with the steps after getting a burn from the stove. But listen, you intended for them never to get burnt in the first place. But because they disobeyed your house rules, because they disobeyed your requirements, because they disobeyed your standard, they got burnt. The truth is in life, we get burnt more often than God intended for us to. Listen, I'm not, I, I am not up here preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that we won't walk through things and trials and tribulations. You absolutely will. I'm so sorry if, that, uh, if that's a surprise to you. We will walk through trials and tribulations. You will walk through things not because you put yourself there, but because the enemy hates you. But the truth is, is that more, there, there are a lot of things that we are getting burnt by that we never would have got burnt by if we, would have, if we would have adhered to the requirements and standards that God has. Is this helping anybody? Now, another amazing part about God's house rules is he does not make us play a guessing game for what his house rules are. I remember when I was in high school, we, uh, I, I played lacrosse in high school. Um, and my senior year, we had a, this new coach and, um, oh man, um, he, he forged me in fire, I will say. Um, but there was one time where we got in trouble at practice and we had to do a bunch of push-ups and a bunch of running. And, and, and then we had to, he literally kicked us off the field, right? Now stay with me, I'm going somewhere. And the problem was, is that the thing that he got mad at us for, he never actually told us. He never actually told us, don't do this thing. We did it, we got punished. Now, God isn't like that. God doesn't make you guess the standards that he has. God doesn't make you guess the requirements and the rules that he's put into place. And another blessing is, this is, this is not part of my notes necessarily, but another blessing is, is that even when you mess up and you disobey the rules and you mess up, God still loves you. God's still for you. God still desires to restore you. God still gives you second chances. Like I mentioned at the beginning, he is the God of second chances. But my point is, is that rules are made clear in the word of the Lord. And so if you say, Pastor Cam, I don't know what the rules are, I would challenge you to read your word. I would challenge you to read the word of God. The word of God has become an optional manual for Christians too often today. The Bible has become optional to us. The Bible is not optional. The Bible is a necessity. The Bible, you need to get into God's word. You need to understand what he requires. You need to understand what it means to walk in the goodness and the grace and the mercy that comes with being a part of God's family. The word of God is necessary. 
the fact is, is that the house rules that are set forth for the family of God, they determine the way we make decisions. They determine the way that we interact with each other. They determine that we interact with the world around us. Church, listen, there are standards for how we treat one another in this house. I almost walked off the edge right there, good Lord. <laughs> I've been bad. There are standards that exist for the way that we interact with each other. If you think that you can go around in the house of God and treat people any kind of way, or even go around in the earth, in our city, in our community, and treat people any kind of way, you're crazy. God's word has standards for the way that we interact and live our lives. But at the beginning of, uh, of, the, of the morning, we read in Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. And I want to go back there, but I want to focus on uh, verse 8. Because verse 8 is an example of where the Lord clarifies his requirements. Do you guys love when the word is clear? Listen, I love when the word of God is super clear and straightforward. Now, it says in verse 8, Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right. Other translations say love justice. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. First one, do what is right. Church, it is not enough that we just know what is right or even speak about what is right. We have to do what is right. It's not enough that we just know what's right. If not, it's not enough that we just Facebook about what's right. It's not enough that we just Twitter tweet about what's right. It's not enough that we do those things. It's not enough that we just speak out for what's right. We have to do what is right. James 1.22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Because when you do that, you're deceiving yourself. When we are hearers of the word only and not doers, we are deceiving ourselves. But, but, but hear me, doing what is right is most of the time not the more pleasurable or desirable choice. You want to know how to do what is right? It's probably most often the thing that's the hardest. Very often times when you look at your situation, the thing that is the hardest, the choice that is not the, 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 the least desirable, that's probably the right thing. Because the truth is, is that doing right is not always easy. Now, I mentioned how other translations talk about loving justice. And trust me, hear me when I say this. Justice is not a calling just for those in the judicial system. Justice is not a mandate or a calling upon the people of God that are only called into the judicial system. Justice is a mandate upon every single believer. We are to desire and seek justice. We are to not just speak out for justice, but to act with justice. Now, what is right is not determined by our biases. It is not determined by what we think is right or what we feel is right, but it is determined by the objective truth of God's word. Hear me, what is right is not determined by the way that you think society operates or the way that you feel society operates. Justice is determined by the objective truth of God's word. There is one objective truth in this earth. There is one objective truth that has ever existed and it's Jesus. Why? Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There were no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Jesus is objective truth. God's word is objective truth for humanity. Amen? So do what is right. Two, love mercy. Everybody say mercy. Now, what is mercy? A simple definition of mercy would be not getting what you deserve. A simple definition of mercy would be not getting what you deserve. Now, not in the sense of you deserving a promotion and you do not get it. I'm not talking about, mercy is not, I deserve that promotion and I did not get it. That's not what I'm talking about. Rather, in the opposite direction, but it's when we do something and we deserve some sort of punishment or consequence, but we did not get it. We do something and we, and, and we disobey a, a rule or whatever, and we deserve the punishment, we deserve the consequence, but we did not get it. 
Any speeders in the room? It's okay. The police are the police officers out there. It's okay. Yeah, a couple of us. Listen, there's probably two of you in this room. There's there's the ones that either you only go five under, like my mom, or you're you're one of the you're one of the people that says uh the, what's the say? It's like uh, nine, you're fine. Ten, you're mine on the highway. <laughs> like nine nine over, you're fine, but ten over, you're you're not. So. There's two types of people in this room. Now, anybody ever been pulled over and you did not get a ticket? Wow. Must be nice. Listen, you get pulled over and the officer comes up to your window and he says, you know, I pulled you over. And you're like, no, officer. And you know darn well you were speeding. You, you admit it? Lindsay admits it. I, I do too. And the officer looks at you and he says, do you know I pulled you over? And you say, no, officer, I have no idea why I was pulled over, even though you were going 21 over, right? And then the officer looks at you and he says, okay, just slow down. This is an act of mercy on the part of the officer. Listen, you deserve the ticket, but you did not get it. That is what mercy is. Are you guys thankful for mercy? Now, I'm not talking about mercy from an officer now. I'm talking about a mercy from a God because the truth is, like I mentioned earlier, we all deserve the death and the punishment that Jesus got. But because of his goodness and his faithfulness and his mercy, we did not receive what we deserve. If you're thankful for a God who is merciful, give him some praise right now. We are thankful for mercy. We are thankful for mercy. Now, in Matthew 10, there's a story where Jesus is sending out his disciples. He's sending out the disciples. And in verse eight, it says that he, he says to them, he says, this is what he's telling them to go do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Okay, first of all, four very big desires. Do all these supernatural things. Okay, great. The last one though, give as freely as you have received. Church, we all just clapped and praised a second ago because we freely received, we've, we have freely received mercy. Why though would we freely receive, receive mercy, but then charge other people for it? Why would we receive mercy from the God who truly is the only righteous judge in all ever. He's the only righteous judge to ever exist. But he chose to give, extend mercy to us in the form of Jesus. And we freely receive it. But then we go around charging people for our mercy. We go around charging people for grace. We go around charging people for patience. We expect, well, if someone treats me right, if someone treats me with mercy, I will treat them with mercy. That's not the mandate. The mandate on believers is not just that we would operate with mercy when people treat us right, but that we would operate with mercy even when people treat you wrong. When someone does you wrong, guess what? Choose mercy. When someone deserves you to tear into them, guess what? Choose mercy. When people are coming against you, guess what? Choose mercy. Mercy is a mandate. No matter how people are acting against you. We have freely received mercy. So church, we must freely give mercy. And the last one, walk humbly with your God. We are not just called to walk in relationship with God, but we are called to walk in relationship with him with humility. Humility has to be a part of your relationship with God. Why? Because church, he is your father and he creator and he loves you, but he also is your God. He's your father. He loves you. He's your provider. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. He's your restorer. He is all of those amazing things. His love is richer than you can understand. His mercy is deeper than you can search out. But listen to me. He is also your God. And as our God, he is worthy of us to walk in reverence and awe towards him. 
God is worthy for us to walk with reverence and awe towards him. What does it mean to walk humbly with our God? It means you walk with reverence towards God, and it means that instead of your opinion being king, we prioritize obedience to the king. To walk humbly with our God means that we do not treat our opinion as king, but rather we prioritize obedience to the king. To walk humbly with our God means that opinion does not sit on the throne of my heart. It means that I don't sit on the throne of my own heart, but God sits on the throne of my heart. And like I mentioned earlier, he is the ruler and Lord of our life. If you walk in humility with God, if you walk with reverence for who God is, you would walk a walk and live a life that is submitted to Jesus in every part of your life. You will live a life that is submitted to God's house rules. Everybody stand with me. I don't know where the, there they are. And I feel like I've mentioned this a couple times already, but just like in your home, how house rules require submission, in the house of the Lord, house rules require submission. But do not conflate submission and sacrifice. Do not confuse submission and sacrifice. The truth is that in Micah 6, 6 through 7, can you throw it back up down there for me? Micah 6, 6 through 8. In Micah 6, so verse 6, it says what? So context, this is Israel asking Micah. Israel is asking Micah, how can we please the Lord? And they say, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Go to the next one. Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? And what's Micah say in the very next verse? He says, no. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. The truth is, church, is that we can sacrifice our Sunday morning and still not be submitted to him. We can sacrifice a Wednesday night for discipleship course and still not be submitted to him. We can... We can sacrifice a daily devotional time and still not be submitted to him in every part of your life. Just because he has your mornings does not mean that he has your afternoons. Just because he has your afternoons does not mean he has your evenings. Just because he has parts of your life does not mean that he has all of your life. But listen, God is requiring not just sacrifice. God is requiring submission. God is requiring us to be obedient. God is calling us to live in obedience to his rules, to his ways, and to his, to his will in our lives. God requires us to live in submission. In church, the truth is, is that there can be things in our lives where we're like, there can be things that we have chose ch chosen to hold back from him that we've willfully held back from him and then there's sometimes there's things in our lives where we just can't seem to submit it sometimes there's things in our lives whether it's mindsets or it's offense or it's perspectives or it's ideologies or it's or, it, or whatever it is sometimes there are things that we are struggling to submit on our own do you want to know why because you're trying to do it by yourself if you continue to try to submit your will and your way and your plan on your own you will fail every time but that's the blessing. And this is another act of mercy is that when Jesus ascended, he said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come so that the Father can send the Holy Spirit. And he sends the Holy Spirit to walk with us. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower us. He sends the Holy Spirit to make us self-aware. He sends the Holy Spirit so that we can understand the things that we need to submit to him, but not only the things we need to, he also walks us through how to submit. This is my last point. 
When sacrifice is the priority, it is built upon a religious obligation. When submission is priority, it is built upon a relational obedience. When sacrifice is priority, it's built on religious obligation. But when submission is priority, it's built upon relational obedience. If you don't hear anything, if you didn't hear anything I said this morning, hear what hear this. God desires relationship with you. God sees how messed up we are. God sees how broken we are. God sees how lost we are in things. God sees our weakness and he still says that one. God desires relationship with you. And when you begin to embark on relation and relationship with God, obedience will be birthed. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, church, I think we need to take a moment and I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, everybody say, Holy Spirit, where am I not submitting? And then just take a second to listen. Listen. 